Welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I am Crystal Beth, and today we are talking about Minute 79, which begins with Ripley carrying Newt to bend and ends with Ripley turning on a space heater. Yeah, and Crystal Beth, you're back again for day four. Thanks for coming back this week. Oh, of course. It was a pleasure, and I... I uh... Brought in tow, my handsome man friend. Hello, John I am handsome man friend. Robert nice to be here. Wilson. Did you also steal his name? You stole his free will. Now you've taken his name, given him a generic title of handsome man friend. Oh, sorry. Once he starts sorry, identifying to okay. a name, he becomes defiant. So yes. yeah, I must that's part of that. the free will thing. Like, <laughs> you think you have a name, buddy? No. You no. don't. Forget about all that. I am only Crystal. <laughs> Wait, That's <quick>. right. <laughs> the Crystal is me, the and I am the Crystal. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> once. So we're getting, like, what are we? We're right into uh, Ripley opening the door here to this little, uh, I guess this is like a little bunk. What do you think is going on here? This is Med Bay, right? Definitely. Yes. And do you think this is a bunk for, you know, some doctor who's working a three-day shift to catch a few Zs? This isn't actually somebody's living space, is it? Or do you think it is? I feel like it's kind of like a nap spot. Yeah. I think that sometimes they would sleep there, but only if they were like, okay, I'm in the middle of crazy research, doing researchy things that are full of research, and I need a little nap, but I can't leave my research. (laughs) I think that... Is what this is for. Either that or they brought it in. <laughs> when they were designing the room, they're like, well, okay, we've got the research station here. We've got the, the medical instruments here. But you know what? What if the doctors get sleepy? Yeah. Let's just do a yeah. little, little nook right here. A little sleepy spot over in the corner. I would think it, it, look- it almost looks like if it weren't for like the, the light and its proximity to the ground, I would say it's more of an examination bed or just a, a patient bed. But... It is mm. a bunk, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's complete with a little reading light and a space heater, as we'll see towards the end of the minute. So, yeah, I think it is. I think that, I think we're on to something here. You know, they do this, and people, I know some nurses, and they talk about having to, to catch a few Zs here and there. You've seen it all, your doctor shows, your hospital dramas, where they find so-and-so in the um, linen closet catching a few Zs, so... That's that's probably what's going on here. It's a perfect place for a little girl to lay down and take a nap. Yes. Sleepy little girl. And, man, this is about as motherly a moment as we've gotten so far <laughs> in yeah. the movie. Actually carrying a, hug, a, a child hugging you into a room to take a nap. And it's, it's a lovely, nice little moment for Ripley and Newt. It really is. And it's, again, uh, five months ago she had a daughter. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. not that long ago. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess, yeah. I'm trying to think of the timing, but you're right. I mean, that's the idea. Because she had a, what was it? She had um, a couple months between when they, when she got her job, right? When they were yeah. like, you don't, your, your status is revoked and she got a job in the loaders area. Yeah. So that was a couple months. And then she had probably about a month of, uh, inquiries i would guess and she was probably gone i don't remember an alien how long uh they were gone at the top like before the alien came was it a month 
um, long is a long time. A long time. I, I'm thinking that's the best way to put it because I, I think there's some ideas out there as to what it is, but I'm not sure if any yeah. of them are really canonical. Yeah, because she's like it was a while back for her birthday, which means she left with the knowledge that she was coming back soon enough to be back for her birthday, I guess. So if that's another couple months, I mean, in her mind, she had a daughter four months ago and she might have seen that daughter a year and four months ago, but she was still there. So I feel like she falls very quickly back into this nurturing motherly. And it is probably really happy for her right now. Again, we, this is the minute where we see the smile again. But it's really sad. Yeah, kind of is. And, it, you know, it's not in in our minutes this week, but this this, conver- this conversation continues into next week. And in the director's cut, there's a much sadder even sort of coda to this whole scene. <laughs> but um, because, it's, because we're watching the theatrical cut, um, technically there is no daughter. You know, we never have any mention of it in the theatrical cut. So... Um, we don't really see it in the, in our version of the movie, but you're, I think it's sad too. I mean, it's, I mean, it's sad on, from Newt's perspective, you know, yeah. she lost her mother some, you know, some time back and now she's found this person to attach to and immediately starts, you know, I don't know. We get this like mother daughter bedtime scene start up here mm-hmm. and oh no, It's interesting. I was going to say that when the door opens to the room, like she and Ripley's holding Newt. I I don't know if it's just me because it reminds me of it personally or because I'm supposed to be reminded of it in the way it's shot and the way the room is laid out and designed and how, you know, how it's cut together. But this reminds me of the Med Bay and Alien, right? And it reminds me of the moment that Ripley they open the door to go in and see what happened with the face hugger that is no longer on Kane's face. And it's a similar thing. It's we're a few scenes away from it here, but it's a similar thing that happens. I think we're supposed to be thinking, okay, there might be some shit go down with face hugger in this room. Keep that in the back of your mind. And it's a bit of foreshadowing and a little bit of dread that you get when she opens that door. Again, it could just be me, but I think that James Cameron's been playing with these ideas, like visual ideas from Alien. I totally totally agree. I think that that was my minute I had in Alien. Because my, my minute was the really slow pan up to behind Ash when Ripley first confronts him. Right. Yeah, that was that's my right. It was. Alien. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that there is no music happening right now. They could totally give us some sort of like sweet, endearing tune to help us subconsciously feel even more like that. But the fact that there's no music here, and if you roll back just a couple scenes or even a couple minutes, we had some, you know, very nice. Uh, orchest- or- orchestral music and now he's subconsciously laying that foundation just like you said John visually with all like this med lab sort of aesthetics but now we're at ground zero as far as what we're supposed to be feeling subconsciously we're supposed to be feeling alone and empty and I think the, the lack of music here conveys that mm-hmm. yeah I think when you when you shoot a scene you know you're going to get an idea of how well the scene came off when you're editing the scene though you're going to really see it flesh out, right? So when Cameron was sitting down, Ray Lovejoy was sitting down and, and editing the scene, and they sat down and looked at it, I think you might go, we don't need it. We, this, this scene comes off so well. Like sometimes I think that, you know, there's a sort of a crutch with music where 
everybody wants to put music under under everything. You know, yes. there's going to be oh, yeah. show people how they're supposed to feel here, um, just to demonstrate that musically. But if you're watching a movie and you go, this, all the feels are here in this scene. Everything they're supposed to feel is here. Why would we even touch it? Like, why bother? And I think that that's probably the decision that James Horner. James Cameron made together when watching the scene, like, yeah, we don't need anything here. Let's just move on. And I think you're, yeah, it's a good observation. I, I, I think it, the scene comes off so well. The relationship between them is so perfectly played out that why would you want to mess with it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it feels, I love when there's not music in certain scenes. That's one thing that Battlestar Galactica did really well is that they have a lot of music everywhere, but when they were in space, it was very quiet because space is silence. You need there's there's no noise. You need airwaves. Yeah, there's no for medium noise. from which the travel for the sound to travel. So it's silent. And I, Alien does this in the movies as well. When they're in space, it's always very quiet. And in Alien Isolation as well, the video game, when she's in space, it's also very quiet. No music except for like, and then the only noise would be like a. Um, like metal banging against itself as something was destroying, but yeah, the absence of sound where there usually is sound is, is just as effective. It's like the converse of bringing in music to uh, accentuate a note in the movie. Like it's sometimes you'll watch a movie that's got lots of music and when it's silent, that's what's notable. That's what's noticeable. Even if you're not thinking about it at the time, it, it conveys a feeling uh, in its lack of, uh, in its absence. So yeah, the, this movie is pretty. You know, it's pretty reserved for the most part in the early parts, but then it gets so musically heavy at different times. But they never go melodramatic, which I think is a nice. Mm-hmm. Boy, it would have been easy to do, especially James Cameron so early in his career. I think he does get a little. You know, in Terminator, I can remember a couple of spots where it's you know Kyle Reese and and, and Sarah Connor that maybe they play up the music a little too much. And it's a little melodramatic. And maybe he learned from that. I don't know. But they definitely never do that in this movie. So we get another sweet moment with the Ripley and the doll, right? So we get, obviously, the sadness, the the nightmare uh, situation with Newt, where she's conveying to Ripley that she's afraid to go to sleep. She's afraid of her dreams, which is also true of Ripley, right? Yes. Um, it's a nice little shared, another shared survival survivor moment between them or PTSD kind of moment. Mm-hmm. They both have this shared past where they've been traumatized by the same thing. And Ripley totally understands uh, this, right? But she doesn't play into that. I, I think that's a good choice as well. It's also a motherly choice. You don't go, yeah, me too. Yeah. God, I have these terrible dreams too. Super scared. We're probably all going to die, but, uh, Sleep but just tight, sleep sweetie. tight, little one. <laughs> Don't let the real monsters that really exist kill you when you're sleeping. Yeah, usually it's oh, dreams are not you know. But with Ripley, you should feel, yeah, I'm like in my 40s and I'm still having bad dreams. <laughs> yeah, that's, get used to it, kid. But you know, Ripley has plays it nicely. Instead, she goes into mother mode, heavy hardcore mother mode, where she even plays a little pretend with Casey the doll here. What do you guys make of this moment with her? Searching the doll's head for a bad dream. I I remember this moment actually pretty vividly the first time I watched it, and it's one of like the you know another part a game over man part of the movie that just kind of sticks out in my mind, and and part of me is like the little girl knows that you can't just like shake bad dreams out of the doll's head like they're dice, 
But at right. the same time, she's like, you know, this is the best I can give you, kid. Look, there's no bad dreams in there. Bad dreams don't exist. Aliens are coming to kill you. Nighty night. <laughs> I, I think that also Casey represents sort of the last small piece of childhood innocence that Newt has. I mean, because of all the death and destruction around her, she's been forced to survive and mature and face the reality of what was happening around her very, very quickly. And for a small child, that forces you to grow up very quickly or or mature quickly or whatever you want to call it. She's obviously very mentally traumatized right now. I think Casey is that small shred of sanity slash childhood innocence that still allows her to be a a sweet little girl in times of uh, calm and non-stress. Now, do you think that she has matured over the last few hours even because this brings up something I planted a seed for episodes weeks ago, which is when they're in the APC first going into the, uh, the atmospheric processor and Newt is on board the APC. We get a moment where Newt talks to Casey and tells her not to be afraid that everything's going to be all right. That's true. And, I thought, well, this is hours later, and she's telling Ripley that that's just a piece of plastic. Now, is this because it's a contradiction? Uh, do we have a bit of a contradictory couple of scenes here in the in the story? Yeah, do we have or a is it because supervisor? She... <laughs> yes. Or has she grown up in the last few hours? Has she come to realize that you know now that she's seen some things even more since, and she's come to know Ripley and observe Ripley? maybe as a role model that maybe she's grown up a little bit. I I know that's, you know, movie time is movie time. Obviously it's ridiculous to think a kid grows up in a matter of hours, but in movie time, it makes sense. Right. I I, I don't know. Do you guys, which way do you guys read that? So I read it the way I think is that she grew up. I don't think that it's a mistake. I think another thought, this one, I think less than the, uh, the fact that she grew up a little bit. Kids like to prove Adults wrong. And right. she could actually have Casey as that is her security blanket. But she also might not want to look young and like she needs a doll in front of this strong woman. You know, so she's like, she's made of plastic. She's not real. So she knows that, but it's still her crutch. Like she still needs it to feel because she still holds on to it. When Ripley gives it back, she's like throw the head across the room because it's made of plastic, like a little stubborn child. But. She does still need it. She's just aware that it's not real. And I feel like she might just, she might want to look more brave. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it too, for sure. Or she just, yeah, I mean, she just, she's seen this woman. I mean, honestly, if you watch the director's cut, what we get from the mother, her actual mother, she's not a Ripley, right? Like her, her initial maternal role model was not Ripley or anyone like her. So now we've seen this very strong, very cool woman, uh, seemingly fearless. Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good way to read it because now Ripley's or uh, Nude is like, well, I'm not going to let Ripley know how into this doll I am. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. how important it is to me. So I'm going to say this thing, and you know, then Ripley's response is either, right, I forgot how smart of a kid you were, like sorry, Newt, or yeah. she's like, right, I know kids. And maybe that's what she's doing here. Maybe Ripley even understands. Well, she still wants the doll and she loves the doll, but I get what she's doing here. Our relationship has gotten to this point where 
uh, she wants to make sure she knows that I'm that she's not as much of a little kid as she really is. Maybe. Yeah. No, it's a good way to read it all. I mean, I I even said way back when she was talking to the doll uh, in the APC that maybe she was showing off for Ripley just a little bit in a weird way, like trying to tell Ripley that. See, I'm cool. I'm telling the doll that she's, you know, that everything's okay. Like almost like I'm the mother here between me and Casey. And she, cause she even looks over her shoulder towards Ripley after she gives the line, like, Hey, did you see that? Um, I was telling her it was cool, you know, but, um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's nothing inside that doll's head. It's plastic. It's just a piece of plastic. Just a piece of plastic with hair and eyes. Oh, those dolls always always creep me out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have anything else for this one? I don't. I oh, don't we get either. that smile. I mean, it ends with Ripley turning on the space heater, which I assumed was a nightlight, but I guess a space heater makes sense because it's probably very cold. Hmm. Well, I do think it's serving two purposes. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, a, I think, a space heater with this red glow. Yes. But... It is meant to light the scene. Like, I think it's supposed to change the lighting of the scene a little bit because in the next minute, and as the conversation continues, um, I think it's nice to get a little change in lighting for the mood of the things that they're going to talk about as it goes on. But um, anyway, we can talk about that tomorrow a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's give another reminder of where you guys are online. You can find us over on our Movies by Minutes podcast called The Fifth Element. It's a podcast where we talk about the fifth element, much like we do on this podcast, minute by minute, in short bursts of our auto rifles. And uh, you can check that out at www.thefifthelement.com. Me and Crystal also do another podcast called Unlimited Lives Radio. Uh, check it out on iTunes. It's about video games. And we do uh, do that with some other friends of ours. It's over at cavecomedyradio.com. You can find us at alienminute.com, on Twitter at alienminutepod, on Instagram at alienminutepodcast. You can also come over to our T public page on T public. Grab a couple of t-shirts, uh, some stickers, mugs. Get a, you know, I don't know what a computer case, whatever you want to get over there. All branded with Alien Minute certified uh, imagery. <laughs> that was a weird way to put that. Anyway, we'll uh, call it quits for minute number seventy nine, and we'll see you tomorrow for minute eighty.